This podcast is part of the National Archives Voices of the Armistice campaign, commemorating 90 years since the end of the First World War. Hear more voices at nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash armistice. Part 2 or 4. My name is William Spencer. I am the Principal Military Specialist at the National Archives at Kew. WO25637. Haig's Personal Diary. The diary we have here at the National Archives is just a copy, but it gives a useful account of the day-to-day views, thoughts and activities of Field Marshal Lord Haig. Saturday 19th of October 1918, London. Heavy rain fell in night and early morning. Day was fine and sun came out after midday. I visited the War Office soon after 10am and saw Wilson. He gave me his views on conditions of armistice. He considers that the Germans should be ordered to lay down their arms and retire to the east bank of the Rhine. I gave my opinion that our attack on the 17th instant met with considerable opposition and that the enemy was not ready for unconditional surrender. In that case, there would be no armistice and the war would continue for at least another year. We went over together to 10 Downing Street and found Mr Lloyd George, Lord Milner and Bona Law discussing. General Davidson accompanied me. The Prime Minister asked my views on the terms which we should offer the enemy if he asked for an armistice. I replied that they must greatly depend on the answers we gave to two questions. 1. Is Germany now so beaten that she will accept whatever terms the Allies may offer, i.e. unconditional surrender, if he refuses to agree to our terms? 2. Can the Allies continue to press the enemy sufficiently vigorously during the coming winter months as to cause him to withdraw so quickly that he cannot destroy the railways, roads, etc.? The answer to both is in the negative. The German army is capable of retiring to its own frontier and holding the line if there should be any attempt to touch the honour of the German people and make them fight with the courage of despair. The French and American armies are not capable of making a serious offensive now. The British alone might bring the enemy to his knees. But why expend more British lives? And for what? In the coming winter, the enemy will have some months for recuperation and absorption of 1920 class, untouched as yet. He will be in a position to destroy all his communications before he falls back. This will mean serious delay to our advance if war goes on to next year. I therefore recommend that the terms of armistice should be 1. Immediate evacuation of Belgium and occupied French territory 2. Metz and Strasbourg to be at once occupied by the Allied armies and Alsace-Lorraine to be vacated by the enemy 3. Belgian and French rolling stock to be returned and inhabitants restored The Prime Minister seemed in agreement with me. Wilson urged laying down arms. Lord Milner took a middle course between my recommendations and those of Foch, i.e. in addition to what I laid down, he would occupy the west bank of the Rhine as a temporary measure until the Germans have complied with our peace terms. I was asked what the attitude of the army would be if we stuck out for stiff terms, which enemy then refuses and the war goes on. I reminded the PM of the situation a year ago when there were frequent demands for information as to what we were fighting for. The PM then made a speech and stated our war aims. The British Army has done most of the fighting latterly and everyone wants to have done with the war, provided we get what we want. 
I therefore advise that we only ask in the armistice for what we intend to hold, and that we set our face against the French entering Germany to pay off old scores. In my opinion, under the supposed conditions, the British army would not fight keenly for what is really not its own affair. It was then decided to meet again on Monday at 11.15am, and that the cabinet should be summoned for 12 noon. I therefore postponed my departure for France. Doris and I got back to Eastcott for lunch and played golf afterwards. This podcast is a recording of extracts taken from Sir Douglas Haig's War Diary, a copy of which is held at the National Archives. Permission has kindly been given to reproduce this by the National Library of Scotland and the Earl Haig.